The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Our guest this week, oh man, I love talking to the people from Chartmetric. He is the digital strategy lead for Chartmetric, a platform that offers analytics services for music industry stakeholders that rely on data to make decisions. He is also the co-host of Chartmetric's How Music Charts podcast, which is available on all major platforms. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.chartmetric.com and at Chartmetric on Twitter. We are happy to welcome Rutger Rosenborg onto the Break the Business podcast. Hello, Rutger. Hey, how's it going? Thanks so much for having me. Very much my pleasure. I love talking to the folks from Chartmetric. I had your uh, How Music Charts co-host Jason Hoven on the podcast a few uh, weeks ago, and he was tremendous. And all I could think was, man, I got to get more of these Chartmetrics people on the show. They always have such great insight. I want to learn more about the work that you do for this really cool organization. Can you talk a bit about your role for Chartmetric? Yeah, definitely. So I actually, I work really closely with Jason. So hopefully um, my episode beats his out with downloads. Um, <laughs> well, but, if it doesn't, we'll tell him it did just to yeah. have that over him. There you go. So Jason and I work on a lot of, um, we essentially sort of make the brand work for Chartmetric. Um, so a lot of digital marketing uh, whether it's social media or the podcast or the blog, but we are a data, data analytics company. So we do a lot of, um, data analysis as well too. So one of our sort of overarching missions is to make data a little less scary for, you know, creative minded people, um, who make up the music industry because, uh, you know, a lot of people go into the music industry thinking, you know, never going to need math or to look at numbers at all. But that's increasingly changing. So we want to make it, you know, a little less scary. So that's ultimately our role here is to turn numbers to narratives. Throughout most of the history of the modern music industry, the big companies have always had access to the big data. They've always had the ability to make data-driven decisions. And it was always the small-time artists, the indie artists, who really didn't have the access to that big data, had to make a lot of gut-based and instinct-based decisions. And while I'm not necessarily knocking that road for decision-making, you can make a lot of bad decisions if you don't have data. And so I love that Chartmetric has been on the forefront of putting data-driven decision-making in the hands of of independent musicians, of everyday artists, and um, really allowing artists to have just all these new arrows in their quiver to move their careers forward. And even lately, you guys have been putting out a lot of great content talking about just general trends that artists should be aware of that the data is showing you. And I want to talk about social media first, since you brought that up just now. What trends are, is Chartmetric seeing now in the social media space that artists should be mindful of in making decisions for their career? Yeah, so I think one of the obvious ones would be TikTok. Um, but it, it's an interesting platform because 
artists haven't really found a way to capitalize on TikTok to promote their brand in the same way that they do, for example, on Instagram. Instagram is huge for, you know, artist accounts because you can promote your own music. Um, but TikTok is not like that yet. I think increasingly it will get more and more um, artist focused, but right now it's, um, it's essentially brand new. So it's very track focused and it's very sort of user and influencer focused. So I think artists understanding that, that the, uh, the infrastructure maybe isn't there yet to totally capitalize on TikTok to promote yourself. But in terms of like building relationships with influencers or users, um, it can be useful as uh, track marketing, which can ultimately, and we've seen this, we, we do this semi-annual um, music data report for the industry. And the tracks that blow up on TikTok tend to be good um, it tends to be a good sort of marketing vehicle for consumption on other platforms like Spotify or, um, you know, other streaming platforms like Apple, et cetera. So that's an important thing to understand is that TikTok right now is more about track discovery. Um, and it's not necessarily about artist uh, brand building at the moment. Well, that's interesting, and I would imagine that a lot of artists probably see TikTok, at least at first blush, as being a brand-building platform because they're looking at it, as you noted, through the Instagram lens. They say, I'm going to run this account the same way I run my Instagram account, and so it's all about promoting the brand. But what you're saying is there's really more benefit to be had, at least as of right now, because these platforms change and everything's really dynamic, but there's more value to be had in exploring the value that TikTok can create for your individual tracks. And I get the sense with TikTok that, at least not yet, it's not maybe necessarily a platform for everyone. It certainly skews to a certain age demographic and maybe certain kinds of interest. Are the data telling you anything about what types of artists in terms of de demographic groups would be more suited to make use of this platform over other groups? Uh, you're right. It definitely skews toward the younger demographic. So if you look at pretty much any artists, um, so we have TikTok demographics, essentially, for um, artist profiles. And if you look at their demographics, it skews heavily, you know, toward like the 13, 17, sometimes 18 to 24 age range especially relative to uh, demographics for that artist on other profiles. So their Instagram uh, demographics are going to be a little bit older than their TikTok demographics, which, you know, is another indication. It can be an indication that um, if your audience base, if you know that your audience base is a little younger, TikTok, you know, might be, a, a viable option for you, but it's also sort of unpredictable because we've also seen that catalog tracks, so tracks that were released, you know, 18 plus months ago, have actually done 
surprisingly well. So TikTok is is sort of agnostic in terms of frontline catalog to some extent. So we've seen like a Harry Belafonte track go viral from like the 1960s um, just because users and teenage users, you know, like 16 years old, were able to recontextualize the lyrics in the track to make these like funny little TikTok skits. Yeah. So it's TikTok is totally unpredictable, but that said, it definitely does skew toward the, you know, 13 to 17 age range. Well, I, uh, in in the same idea that you brought up in terms of TikTok kind of just randomly resuscitating old so- catalog songs, I think of just what's been happening recently with Dreams by Fleetwood Mac, which right. inexplicably after 40 years found itself in the Billboard Hot 100 again, fueled pretty much entirely by young people on TikTok who were whose parents might not have even been alive when this song, when Rumors came out as an album. And it's it's pretty wild to me. And it seems like there's so much randomness to what makes a track go viral on TikTok. And as an artist, that can be sort of frustrating because you're saying that TikTok can be fertile ground for a track to really catch fire. But if it doesn't seem like there's a lot of rhyme or reason in the data for what can make a particular song go viral or not... Are artists just sort of lost in terms of how to create a TikTok strategy? Or does the data suggest that there are things that artists should be doing with this platform to maximize the chance that their content can have an impact? That's the uh, it's the golden question right <laughs> there. Um, because everyone's trying to figure out a TikTok strategy, basically. Um, so the short answer is we don't fully know because it is a very new platform and the industry is very slow to adapt to new technology. Um, So the answer in short form is we don't know yet. (laughs) However, I think it's important for artists to realize that each platform is different. So it has its own strengths and weaknesses. So you're not going to want to approach Instagram the same way you're going to want to approach TikTok or YouTube or Facebook. Just like every artist, every platform has its own strengths and weaknesses. And I think a lot of emerging artists sort of get caught up on like, I got to have all these profiles. I got to promote myself on all these profiles in the same way. And that's not really an effective way to, to market yourself. You want to stick to a platform that makes sense for where your audience is, who your audience is. Um, And you want to build that out first because, you know, you can have whatever, thousands of Instagram followers, but if they're not actually engaging with you as a brand, if they're not engaging with your music, it doesn't really matter. It's just, it's just a number and it's not going to contribute to your bottom line, which ultimately you want to have a sustainable career in the music industry. So it's really important to understand where your audience is, who your audience is, and from a social media perspective, what platforms are best for engaging with that audience. It might be TikTok. It might not. You might just not want to spend any time with it. And it would seem to me that key 
in an artist being able to do that, making the right decisions on social media, choosing the right platforms, using those platforms the right way, it seems like a lot of it would come back to data, making data-driven decisions, seeing what the numbers are telling you on these platforms, finding a way to quantify that engagement and have that drive your decisions. And I would say for an artist, that can be a challenge, right? Because there's so much data out there that an artist is going to consume about themselves when looking at social media, uh, all, all the different ways that you can measure uh, what you're doing on social media, likes, followers, uh, retweets, and, and you know, views and shares. And so can you talk a little bit about specific data analytics that artists should be looking at and maybe what analytics that they shouldn't be looking at? Because if they are looking at this data, it might hinder their music career. Yeah, I think a lot of artists get caught up on um, essentially getting on huge editorial playlists or, um, you know, forking out thousands of dollars a month to get on written up by music blogs. That sort of thing, I think it's not that it's a misplaced strategy. It's that you have to take baby steps and you have to be able to measure where you are now and you have to make objectives. So whether that's like, okay, I want to get a thousand streams more this month than last month. Did I meet that objective? Okay, cool. Well, next month I want to get 2000 and building like that. I think the whole, um, you know, just generating um, playlist ads and anyone can, to some extent, anyone could get a playlist ad. But again, this goes back to engagement. That's not going to build your audience base, which is ultimately going to give you long-term success versus just, you know, you get added to a playlist. Uh, that's great. But then you get taken off and so what you're not making that, you know, you're not getting those streams anymore. So I think not focusing too much on playlists, but focusing more from the viewpoint of how do I build my audience? Playlists might be one avenue to go down, but you need to have your objectives set out to know exactly which avenues to go down, which, you know, I want to get on one editorial playlist in the next six months, for example. But I'm only doing that insofar as I'm building my audience base along the way. And one metric for this, it's very much a proxy, so it's not a perfect metric, but is followers uh, on Spotify or uh, Deezer, for example. Um, that metric we've noticed has a more significant correlation with long-term artist growth rather than just like stream counts or monthly listeners or something. A follower is more likely to be engaged with you as a brand and as an artist than just, you know, a listener who has happened to hear you on a playlist once and they have no idea who you are as an artist. That's really compelling. Are there any other metrics that you like that tend to be well correlated with artist growth? It So it... It depends a lot because it depends what stage you are as an artist, what genre you're in, what location you're in. 
But generally speaking, you want to look at the ratio between, um, so on Chartmetric, we track like your monthly listeners on Spotify, for instance, which, you know, you can see on uh, your Spotify account. And we track followers as well. And one thing that can be useful to track is the ratio between your monthly listeners and your followers. So essentially, um, your monthly listeners, if you're familiar with like marketing lingo, is essentially reach. This is how many people you are able to reach each month. They might not necessarily come back to you and they might not be streaming you more than once, but these are all the potential listeners that you are able to potentially convert. And then followers are the listeners that you have converted, essentially. So you want to look at, um, you know, your reach versus, in some sense, your conversion. So what you're trying to get a sense for is how many people am I do I have the potential to convert and how many people have I converted? And that can tell you how successful you're being at actually um, engaging with your audience and building a fan base. So the better your ratio, theoretically, the, um, the more you've been able to turn those listeners into fans. And so is, am I gathering it right? Because I'm you know, not a huge math guy here. I want to make sure I'm conceptualizing this. So in this ratio, the numerator is listens and, or streams, and then the denominator is uh, followers. So it depends how you set up the ratio, but um, we do it monthly listeners to as the numerator and followers as the denominator. And so is lower ratio, I guess, is better? Because that would suggest that you're converting uh, more, you know, more more listeners into fans. Right. Very cool. All right. Yeah. I, I like this. I, I like this a lot. I think there are two really valuable takeaways that come from what you're bringing up here. One is the importance of using data as objective setting. Uh, a good way of knowing if, if things are working or things are on track is you use some of these metrics that Rutger has discussed to set up uh, where you want to be in a year, six months, a month, whatever it is. And then using the right metrics, using uh, the ones that Rucker brought up that are specifically correlated with a, a successful music career. Great, great stuff. Before we let you go, Rucker, um, and before we get to our final question, I would be remiss if I didn't tell the listeners about another great podcast we can recommend in addition to the one they're listening to right now, which is the one that you co-host with another friend of the podcast of Chartmetric, Jason Hoven, which is the How Music Charts podcast. You want to tell the listeners a bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So... Obviously, we're a data analytics company, so we're coming at it from the data perspective, but we try to make it a little bit, you know, a little easy on the ears, essentially. We're not just talking about numbers. Um, we interview, you know, industry insiders who have some insight into music industry trends and they peel back the curtain a little bit on the music business. And we, we get into not necessarily like hard numbers, but how they've been able to use data potentially um, to, in their career and to help the artists that they work for. Oh, so, yeah, you can listen to that on any podcast 
platform. And I'd certainly encourage you to do so, listeners. We would all benefit from a little more valuable data in our lives. You can find out more about our guests' work by visiting www.chartmetric.com and at Chartmetric on Twitter. Rucker, last question before we let you go. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? Yeah, definitely. Number one, don't be afraid of data. You know, you have access to your Spotify for Artist dashboard, your Apple Music dashboard, your Amazon now. Um, check out where your audience is. It can be super informative. Maybe you have listeners in Indonesia that you didn't know about. That's not to say that you should start targeting all of your advertising in Indonesia, but it can help you start to think, why am I connecting with these listeners in Indonesia? And how can I apply that to where I want to be and the, the audiences that I want to reach? And when, you know, touring comes back, how can I use this to sort of route my tours a little bit better? Wow. Great, great stuff. I, I love hearing about data from the folks who know a thing or two about it. And Rucker Rosenberg is a great example of that. Rucker, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thanks for having me, Ryan. And thank you all for listening to the Break the Business podcast.